Isaki activated charged into him, did very little, and uh, because he was shielded and had armor, of course. And then he hit back. Uh, Lucius <laughs> makes him attack three times. He attacks two times himself. The lawyer makes him attack oh. two times, maybe, through a changeling. And yeah, at the end of that, your master is going to be dead. Howdy, friends. Craig here. We got a nice little deep dive, uh, long overdue for Guild. We're going to talk about Lucius and the Elite crew. Uh, cover a ton of stuff, including uh, could the scribe be the best totem in the game? You might be surprised who they think is the first hire in an Elite crew. It's not Agent 46. We learned that walking with Lucius isn't as bad as it is with other crews. There's a great discussion on when you should or maybe should not bring guild upgrades. We talk about centrifuge. We learn how good this ability is and how it can be really key in the right situation. We talk through the schemes of the elite crew hard counters. We answer the question of when Lucius is a better choice than Nelly. We learn what factions your opponent can declare that should make you avoid bringing Lucius. We finish off talking about the state of guild as a faction in M3E. Enjoy. strategy game allows you to unplug and test your skills against friends. Every week, Third Floor Wars delivers useful strategies, discussions, battle reports, and reviews to tabletop games like Malifaux. If you want to get better at the games you already play or discover the games other people are playing, you are in the right place. Craig and Ray welcome you to the third floor and the Tabletop Talk broadcast. Craig here on the third floor. Today we're going to do a deep dive into the Guildmaster Lucius and how the Elite Crew works in Malifaux 3rd Edition. My guests are Guillermo Vican and Jesse Watson. You likely know Jesse from our live stream where he played, actually played Lucius. Uh, he's one of our local henchmen here in North Carolina, a good buddy of mine, and uh, just recently placed fifth in the grand tournament we had here in North Carolina back in December. So, Jesse, welcome to the third floor. Hello, hello. So, Jesse, um, as a first-time guest here on the podcast, I always like to know, you know, how, do, how did you find tabletop miniature gaming? How did you find Malifaux? What's, what's kind of your history? Uh, when I was a little kid, I would show up at Battletech tournaments where people would sort of snicker but then play along with it and then proceed to beat my butt. <laughs> um, but I had a great time with it and um, just sort of ended up away from that for a good couple of decades. Uh, oh, wow. Aging myself now. And then uh, I had my D&D group up in Boston, wanted to get into a miniatures game. And I had heard a lot of good things about Malifaux, so I suggested it. And uh, now I own far too many models. <laughs> and I'm back down in North Carolina playing. Very cool. Now, um, you're not the first guest that has mentioned kind of Battletech as a starting piece. Um, and it remind me, I mean, it's a miniatures game. Uh, it's hex based, right? Yes. So Battletech, it did have the, you know, measuring by inch version, but I, my understanding is most people played on hexes. Um, it streamlined a lot of your movement and things like that. And a lot of your options were much more limited, right. but it also, like Malifaux, each unit that you had on the table really did matter. Uh, so individual model selection, as opposed to my mass model selection in right. the Warhammer format. 
and you had huge customization, right? So you could customize each of the uh, each of the BattleTech um, uh, units and stuff like that. Um, am I remembering that correctly? It's been a long time since I've looked at it. Uh, depending on the format, yeah, the options were there to completely change out the loadout, the weaponry, the armor, even the engine on your mecha, so you could really get in there and tool around with it. That's cool. How many models roughly were on each side? When I was playing, uh, it was typically five if you were in one faction, eight if you were in the other. And the gotcha. other was the one, um, my typical preference, that had to be a lot more wily, a lot more creative, and still try not to die. So s- similar skirmish-type style as Malifo. Yes. Gotcha. Gotcha. Very cool. So Gear plays out of Norway. Uh, and you recently finished uh, second in the Norwegian Open, um, which is pretty cool. Uh, much like Sam, uh, much like Jesse, he's been playing war games, uh, since he was a kid. Uh, in fact, uh, Gary, you told me it was, you were 11 when you started. So, uh, Gary, welcome to the third floor. Thank you very much. It's very nice to be here. So what were you playing at 11 years old? 11 years old, I picked up uh, Warhammer Fantasy. I had just, uh, read Lord of the Rings when I was 10, I think. Uh, and being from Norway, the rule book was very, very long and hard to read in English. <laughs> well, for English speakers, it was a hard rule book. <laughs> so I actually think I had my dad read to me <laughs> uh, during bedtime and stuff like that to understand the game. He has never played a game, so I'm. He was extremely patient. Oh, that's great. Now that that's a, that, I mean, that's a uh, a big step into the into the hobby and stuff. Because I mean, you're talking about uh, lots of different you know models to paint and to to put on the table. The model count was high. The cost was got really high as Warhammer Fantasy progressed. Um, did you just kind of ease into it, and then, um, or did you just go whole hog and bought 300 models and went? I think it was a combination. I bought, I think I used almost all my money at that time to buy figures. And uh, then we proxied a bit as well. Gotcha. Um, so where where was the transition for you then from, say, Warhammer Fantasy to finally finding Malifaux? Uh So I think that was kind of a multi-step journey. I um, stopped playing, obviously, when um, the Warhammer world was destroyed and Age of Sigmar came. And I started playing War Machine. Oh, okay. And yeah, I really liked I really liked that system for a while. I think um, yeah, I think it's one of the best competitive systems. But I think at one point it just did way way too many rules changes, and um, yeah, the uh, kind of that was incompatible with uh, me having my first kids around that point. I couldn't read that much. I couldn't follow the game. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, some of my friends brought me to Malifaux, and I think that was the perfect game for me. It reminds me a bit of more time as well, and so it's kind of a throwback there. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, it's funny you say that about the rules changing too quickly, and, you know, you have the rest of your life to deal with. That's kind of what happened to me with War uh, Warhammer 40K. So I was really into Warhammer 40K, played a lot. I think I started in third edition, and then by like fifth edition, sixth edition, like I would sit, I would be playing and, you know, one of the things that's important to me when I play any type of game, whether it be a board game or a miniatures game is, you know, I, I like to, I like to be the guy that knows the rules. And I mean, it got to the point where things were changing so fast, I couldn't keep track of it. And I had one particular game where I just got so frustrated 
um, that I just didn't have my arms around it, that uh, it really made me start looking for another game. And that's when I found Guild Ball. So I can appreciate that. All right, guys. So what we're going to focus on today is uh, we're going to focus on Lucius and the elite crew. And we're going to do it based off of the guild faction, because, of course, Lucius is dual dual master. He can play both in Neverborn and in guild. But these gentlemen uh, are experts on Lucius in, in the guild faction. And we're going to dig deep into how uh, each of these guys like to build an elite crew, how the crew plays on the table, some maybe some key tech pieces that, uh, that you can bring into the crew based on what strategy and scheme pools or even what the opponent declares as a faction or a master. And then we're going to kind of go over how you can potentially counter an elite crew. Uh, so, Jesse, let's start with you. Can you uh, pretend that the listeners have never seen Lucius, never played Lucius, um, you know, have never encountered him or the elite crew? Let's let's focus on Lucius and give me an idea of what style master Lucius is. Sure. So Lucius is a flexible control, AP advantage and hand advantage master. Wow. Now, okay. What I mean by all of that is his primary ability is to shift AP from himself. So he's going to get an action. He's going to get three action points as a master. And what he's going to do is take that action point and using his issue command ability, he's going to target one of his friendlies and say, you know what? You do this thing. And in turn, for trading down from a master AP to like a henchman or a minion AP, he's going to get a card back for doing it. But what this really means is on the table, if you have a model that's in a key position or needs to get to a key position, Lucius can take an AP off himself, give it to that model and have that model get to where he needs to go. Um, there's also a lot of other control elements through a number of his minions. He has the ability to do things that will reposition the enemy, uh, directly obey the enemy, uh, or otherwise um, really shape the field. And when I activate Lucius, that's the thing that feels so different to me for, you know, with a Lucius activation versus an activation of another master is I have the ability to completely reshape the field with a number of the abilities that are on him between AP redirection, between the ability to mass move his friendly models. Um, I can take the situation and completely flip it in one Lucius activation. Yeah, that's that's cool. Now, Gear, when, when when you're playing Lucius, because he's not, he seems like not nearly kind of a, a straightforward master, and that flexibility that Jesse talked about has got to be very powerful. But I would imagine it also has a bit of a learning curve. Yeah, obviously. But I think the key word being flexibility—that was the word I was going to use as well. Because if I activate another master, I'm thinking, what can I do with this model where he is standing, he or she is standing right now? Uh, with Lucius, I'm thinking, what can I do to affect a model that is standing on another part of the board? And I think, yeah, is obviously he has a bit of learning curve because you have to understand who to activate, you have to who to target. Yeah, and yeah, and as Jesse said, you are trading master AP for minion AP, which is obviously often worse. But you need to um, you need to take this into account. You need to make sure that what you're getting out of that is a net plus. That the cards you're getting, the position advantage you're getting, is worth trading down for. Now, Garrett, he mentioned the um, the card advantage, and so have you as the card draw. Um, are you finding um, you really to have a control hand advantage when you play um, Lucius? Yes, uh, I mean. He's one of the two models in Guild to have a cane reserve on. And the other one is a totem. 
So basically have uh, you have more cards just by that than almost a whole master pool. Six yeah. other masters. And he also gets a card whenever someone uses a pass token. Mm. He gets a card when he commands someone. And he has several other models that will help him get cards as well. So your control hand is probably twice as big as another master's. Right, and you're cycling through it, but you're you know you're keeping the best of the best as you do that, right? Yeah, hand sculpting, you could call it. I suppose. Nice, I like I like that term. So, um, yeah, let's talk about uh, really what you consider kind of the signature abilities uh, for Lucius. Um, we talked about obviously issue command. Is there anything else that really defines him? Uh, I think the other side of the coin is his free action and misinformation, because uh, issue command will help you sculpt your hand to be the best it can be, while misinformation will help you destroy your opponent's hand. How does that work mechanically? Uh, you target an enemy. It's a willpower test uh, against your stat six. Only six range, so you need to be close. But um, you can uh, look at your opponent's control hand, which is itself very good. Wow. And then you can um, you can discard up to two of his cards and have him draw two new ones. Wow. So, you, And you get to pick those cards? It's not a random thing? You get to pick those cards. So against sure. summoners, for example, you may take away the cards they need. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, could, boy, that could be dangerous, especially, you know, in light of the fact that you you yourself have such a strong uh, control hand to begin with as well. Um, Jesse, what would you consider kind of uh, – Lucius's main strength. So it sounds like, you know, controlling the board, uh, controlling the game state, um, control hand. I mean, is there is there anything else that that really makes him stand out um, uh, as as something unique and strong? Uh, yeah, I would continue with where Gare was going with bringing up misinformation. Uh, we talked at first with flexibility. That's what he does with his own models. Well, misinformation is getting into what he's doing to the opponent. So, uh, you know, most keywords, most masters in the game are playing with what's on the table and assuming that they're going to have a hand to their advantage, that they can cheat where they need to cheat. Lucius makes that not a guarantee. Right. Um, he's got a betrayal aura on his totem. Discard a card to cheat. He's got uh, the aura on his invest on his lawyers to discard a card to take an interact action. He has an ability on his uh, investigators force you to discard a card. Um, so, in addition to misinformation, he's doing a hand attack. So yep. he's boosting his hand through card draw. And when we say card draw, it is typical that I will draw in the range of ten cards in a turn. Wow, with Lucius crew. Um, and it's possible to go more, but you're usually going down a bad direction. Um, so I'm drawing those cards. Meanwhile, if you're within my betrayal aura and you have a six card hand, at most you can cheat three times. Yep. And I'm going to be doing other things to reduce your hand quality, to even take your hand away, or make it so you flat cannot cheat with Agent 46. So his hand attack is another signature element of Lucius and very important not only for his offense, but his defense. Right. Well, let's talk a little bit more about offensive capability. So, we, uh, Gear, we're talking about attacking the hand, um, really uh, just putting so much uh, pressure on that control hand. Is there any, and I know his crew has this, but I'm talking about Lucius specifically. Is there anything Lucius is doing to actually deal damage? Yeah, I have to admit, I don't think I've ever used his melee attack. <laughs> okay. Uh, but uh, his hidden sniper, I had uh, quite... A bit of success with, I think. Uh, 
because he can um, he has a ten range, stat five, two, three, four damage, and injured plus one, which in itself isn't very good. But he can draw line of sight and range from any friendly mimic or elite model. Wow, that means, uh, for example, during um, a game I played uh, in the Norway Open, I managed to um, hinder my opponent scoring outflank by using hidden sniper from a changeling that had run up to the side. That actually made me win that game. Well, and again, this gets to that flexibility, right? So suddenly, you know, you, you have the ab- the ability to impose damage um, at a huge range based off of that, it sounds like. So, you know, in your case with, with the outflank, you you had a specific place where you needed to impose your will. And because of, because of that hidden sniper's uh, range flexibility, you were able to do that. Yeah, and I didn't even mention it as uh, critical strike as a trigger, which makes it, yeah, if you have a ram, if you use a soul stone, it's only three, four, five. And yeah, it can take out scheme runners quite easily. So speaking of, of soul stones, can you give me an idea, Gare, how many um, soul stones you typically bring in with uh, Lucius? Never enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, the number has been four. I've, every list I make, I almost always end up with taking four soul stones. And I always wish I had a few more. You wish you had a few more. How about you, Jesse? Uh, four to five sounds about right, as does the never enough. Um, you will lose models playing Lucius. They're going to die. Um, yep. But there are times if I really think I have to do a clutch thing with Agent 46 and I've got to jam him in a hole and he's going to get attacked, I might bring a few more. But that's about the only time. So how about uh, what's keeping Lucius on the table? So defensively, again, as you had mentioned, I think, Jesse, you know, you've got the control hand uh, pressure, which is going to help you defensively. Um, You have all of these restrictions on the ability to cheat that are built into the elite crew. Is there anything else that's keeping him up? Well, uh, I will reiterate for like the fourth or fifth time, the control hand advantage. Um, You if you don't have that. It's going to hurt. Your primary defensive trait uh, across most of your models is to put the opponent on a negative for his attack, whether it's through manipulative or intimidating authority, where you're going to discard a card for each attack to put that attack on a negative. Um, You're trying to make it so, again, he cannot cheat and statistically reduces chances. Um, uh, However, that's not something to really depend on. Because if he has access to mass focus, if he has built-in plus flips, say a Parker, um, you're going to be in a lot of trouble and your only defensive ability is going to go away. After that, they're down to a little bit of shielded. Um, And so you really have to be – I I can think of it as an active defense in the same vein as Colette, in the same vein as Nelly. Um, Your defenses rely on you having done something to upset your opponent's offense. First, right. you're going to slow him. You're going to give him distracted from some other source, usually a model you might bring in. You're going to put him out of position. Um, if he's going to stack focus on a guy, you're going to obey that guy and ditch his focus, hopefully into his own friendlies. Um, and you're going to try to keep him so disrupted that he cannot focus into you and really do damage. So, Gare, how often do you uh, have Lucius make it all five turns? Uh, surprisingly often. Uh, due to what I said before, the... Um the, his uh, misinformation ability he usually yeah they're usually scared of being too close as well and yeah if they rely on um, focus to hit uh, 
then I may actually use the scribe to dispel of them. Or, oh, okay. Or with Agent 46 copying dispel magic and uh, forcing them uh, forcing them to lose the focus. Right, because focus is a condition. So you that offensive uh uh condition removal can uh can you know help help get rid of that. It doesn't happen very often, but it happens sometimes. You can Got do you. it. Um so typically what puts Lucius in a bad position, Jesse? So in you in your games, um what has happened where you have found Lucius um really um, not being where you want him to be or being in a situation that you didn't want him to be. What, 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 what typically leads up to that? Lucius is a high skill cat master. If he's somewhere he didn't want to be, you probably put him there. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a bad day if you have any strong DPS on Lucius himself. Um, and you're gonna have to do a lot of work to get out of that. But mm-hmm. you have a lot of good options for that. The scribe uh, is a hero of the keyword so often with pulling Lucius out of engagement um, with I've got your back. A lot of people forget about that, and uh, it can do wonders for changing your field position. Um, so typically you start running into problems, again, when you have a really strong offense with the plus flips. Right. With the ability to get through your stuff. Because even if I've reduced your hand, if you're riding on plus flips, you've got more of a stat advantage. Um, but more often than not, if something has, if Lucius is starting to lose or something is in a bad place, uh, it's because somewhere I made a mistake. Got it. And there's a lot of opportunity for that. Right. And I tell you, it's something that we keep hearing on the podcast is when we're talking about masters that have a lot of flexibility, um, are, are very adaptable to the situation. I keep hearing that same thing, which is, um, you know, it, it gives you more opportunities to make mistakes. Um, so the, the, your term of, you know, a high, high skill cap master makes a ton of sense. Gentlemen, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back from this break, we're going to kind of dig into the crew itself. So I want to talk more about the scribe, uh, the totem and get into some of the models you consider, uh, must takes. Um, so I want to find out from these gentlemen what their core crew is. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
All right. So um, as some of you might know that, listen, uh, I started as a guild player. Um, so that was my first faction. Perdita was my first uh, crew box. Um, but Lucius, um, especially in 2E, when he got um, kind of a nice bump with the, uh, uh, some new upgrades, he became my favorite master to play. Um, and I think what's neat is that even though I've not played Lucius um in three, I've only gotten my butt handed to me uh, by Lucius via Jesse. Um, what I like is that he still feels like the same master that he was in two, um, which is something I think that um, the guys over at Weird did a really good job of as they as they transitioned is that the masters feel the same, even though they're not the same. Um, but let's talk about the crew. So, Guillermo, let's start with the um, obvious must take, which is um, the, the totem. Can you talk to me about kind of where the scribe fits in? Yeah, I think he's one of the three best totems in Guild. Guild have three really good totems, the Purifying Flame, the Printing Press, and the Scribe. And I'm starting to think the Scribe is the best of them. And uh, yeah, he has so many special rules. He has more special rules than Agent 46 has. <laughs> wow. For some reason. Uh, he has to fade away, so when someone attacks him, he can bury, reduce damage by two, and then pop back up. And when he pops up, he can pop up next to um, next to Ski Marker as Friendly Master, and then everyone, every Friendly Model winning to heal one and gain focus plus one. Oh, that's good. That's good. Now, is he significant or insignificant? He's unfortunately insignificant. Gotcha. But uh, that doesn't mean you can't do funny stuff with him. And it doesn't hurt so much when he dies because he doesn't give you a point for reckoning or right. so forth. Yeah, it's funny in um in three, you know, in two, in, insignificant was a huge like downside. But um there are definite upsides, uh, Jesse, to having an insignificant model in play. Uh yeah. And definitely uh, there have been some clutch moments where uh he has gone down and I've forgotten that he was insignificant and then you know we figure it back out. Uh and it's it's been important. Um something else that I love about this guy is and yes, I, se I second that he is one of our best totems in guild. Uh, what he does to the field um, is wonderful. It shapes, it plays with the keyword, and it will be a massive debuff to the opponent. And when your opponent tries to remove him, he's probably not going to die. Um, but one of the things I actually kind of like about his sharpened quill is a range zero, five stat melee. This is like a totem, nothing kind of attack. It's a one, two, three damage. Um, and it seems like nothing. It seems unimportant. And most of the days of the week, it would be until your opponent has no cheat hand left. Right. Or until they're holding that red joker and no other card in their hand, which means they can't cheat the red joker. And you charge in with that scribe with your one, two, three damage and kill his carver. Um, or you charge in and you get the trigger for draw out secrets to drop a ski marker into base contact with the target, which can score despite your opponent standing on this area they're trying to control. Um, right. So because of the way the keyword works, even these low-value abilities can really start to see more play. And, and that quill has done uh, surprising amounts of work for me. But it sounds like you need to time it right so that you have to be in a, in a very in, in an advantageous situation in order to leverage something like that? Yes, you have to be doing well. Right. Right. Um, so, Jesse, what, what's the next hire? So my go to what really makes elite elite to me is the guild lawyer. 
Um, and I will have one to two. Sometimes I've brought three, which is probably a mistake. Um, guild lawyers. Uh, so what these guys are doing for you, first off, they're controlling an area with their chatty aura, six inches. Six inches of you have to discard a card to interact. Um, so if you brought them into a scheme pool that involves a lot of interacts, um, this and you're discarding their hand down, you can get to a point where you can actually lock them out late in the turn from being able to do anything they need to score points, which puts not only hand pressure, but timing strategic pressure on your opponent because they think, well, I've got to do my interacts early as opposed to murdering early as most people do. Um, They draw a card after they uh, get obeyed by Lucius. That's sort of the keyword thing. Um, Tools for the job. They can, on activation, take a card off the top of the discard pile and then put another card down, which they gain, they permanently, for the turn, they gain the suit from that card. Um, so that is very important. That is clutch to understanding when to activate the lawyer, because you can pick up that red joker, you can pick up that severe card and drop the card they need to unlock their obey. Obey, five stat, needs a mask, it's a hard TN. But again, you should be controlling your hand. You should be controlling the opponent's hand. And this is where you are really going to shape the opponent's side of the field or play miniature Lucius and shape your side of the field by pushing people around with that obey. Um, And the suit's not built in on that. But to your point, Jesse, you, you should have the control hand and tools for the job to help mitigate that. Is that right? Yes. Hand management is a big part of Lucius. Um, I've met some people who think that once you're drawing, you know, 10 cards or so, hand management's not an issue. And uh, maybe in other keywords, that's true. But in Elite, you need to be just as good or even better with managing your own hand because you have some high TNs. You have some important TNs. And if you're not hitting them, you're not fully playing out the keyword. Um, but yeah, the guild lawyer brings in an obey. Um, they bring in a passion defense for shielding. Um, which is important to give your models a bit more of a lifespan. Um, They will draw you anywhere between one to four cards in their turn um, or get more net cards going on. Um, And uh, even their melee, again, sharp wit. It's kind of a quiet melee action. But there are times when the best action for your obey minion to do is actually just charge and sharp wit something. And yep. if you put slow on a clutch model in the right moment um, or you do mental trauma and he's got no cards left in hand, he's going to take three damage in addition to that slow. And so, again, timing, right? Timing, timing, timing. Yep. So, Gare, are you the same way? Are you bringing lawyers in the way Jesse is? Is that the first model you look at? First model, always. And I was thinking I was going to say lawyer because I was sure you were going to say Agent 46 and I was going in with lawyer. But uh, no, he's (laughs) always the first one. Well, that's what I anticipated for both of you is Agent 46. I'm fascinated the fact um, that both of you guys agree that the the lawyers are just key pieces. Yeah, I think I managed to actually make one of the other playtesters during better quite mad when I used a mental trauma trigger a few times, discard card, and then executed someone after that. Oh, with someone else. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, yeah. It, it, there's there is nothing more demoralizing than being in a situation where that ex- there's nothing you can do against an execute. Yeah, and that happens quite a lot. We probably would see that later but yeah i agree with um jesse in that there are some cards i would say that are almost earmarked for being used by certain models and i think um if you look at lawyer for example is intimidating authority and i would almost never 
this guard a low mask that I may need for a bay or a low um, tome. Because um, yeah, I really like to draw out secrets trigger on the bay because it makes you yeah, it makes you able to do an extra action. It, it doesn't always go exactly where you need it, but that's that's fine. And it all and in passion defense, the shielded also has very very good triggers both on um, both on the mask and the tome. So so managing those suits um, seems like a big deal. Yeah, it, it really is. And uh, the lawyer is so much more effective than you have to suit in it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I guess we should probably talk about Agent 46 then, um, because I think, you know, what we're learning here so far with Lucius and these lawyers is we're controlling game stakes. We're obeying uh, other models. Um, but uh, I, I know because I've seen it. Uh, Agent 46 does a ton of work. So, Gary, can you kind of talk us through um, why everybody hates that model except the <laughs> Lucius players? Uh, yes, in human physiology. That's basically why everyone hates him, I think. Enemy models cannot cheat fate when targeted by this model's attack actions. And that includes everything he may have copied with Mimic. Yeah, it, it, I, I can tell you, it is, it's one of those abilities that you, you read it or, you know, you're going up against a guild player and they say, yeah, you know, by the way, you know, Agent 46 has this ability. And you're like, oh, okay, that seems good. And then when you're in, in the game and you are playing and I mean, I don't know about uh, other people, but I, I seem to forget it. And, and then I get reminded like, well, you can't cheat against this. I mean, it, it is just so brutal. Yeah, it, it really is. And I think a lot of the time, People, for example, they pull a uh, a two or a three, and it's almost the same as pulling the black joker. Because you cannot cheat, and yeah, there's really there's nothing you can do. And um, yeah, he he can do a lot of damage that way, or he can copy um, he can copy obey, mm -hmm. which makes that uncheatable. And and he's a hench, right? So he can stone for it for an opponent. And he's saying, so he can stone, he can, um, he can mimic the dispel magic from the scribe to take away all your fire, for example, in a fire golem, or all the poison on McMorning. And his analyzed weakness also can't be cheated against, which has caught a few people of God a few times. Yeah, and I think those are all really great examples of what I'm talking about is that, I mean, cheating is a core mechanic of the game. And to have a model that has so many options uh, available to him because of the mimic, and I mean, it, it, he, he just imposes his will. Um, so, Jesse, do you find yourself with Agent 46? Is is he doing some more, you know, game state alter, altering, um, or is he putting out damage? Uh he does, again, flexibility, big keyword thing. He does what you need to do. If you need to strip a condition, go for that. Um, more often, if I'm bringing Agent 46, he's my hammer. Okay. He's going to copy a really good ranged attack, um, and he's going to use that to pick off key models in the first couple of turns, and then maybe I'll engage him, uh, you know, send him into melee uh, later on. His only defense, other than stones, is stealth, six inches. Uh, you can't target him from outside of six inches. That's why I prefer ranged attacks with him, because it's always very sad to send him charging in turn one and then watch him die by the end of turn two. Yeah. Um, but so he would be a key model that when I'm building, I'm thinking about what is he going to copy and where am I going to put it to use? 
So let's talk about that. What do, what do you typically like to partner Agent 46 with? So my most common combination is the Pale Rider. Oh, okay. uh, I just think of Agent 46 and the Pale Rider as a 20-point block that I'll you know, it's a, an easy go-to. Uh, the gun on the Pale Rider is okay. It's not fantastic, but it's okay. Um, more importantly, that gives you a good, you know, a decent 12-inch gun while also bringing you in the Pale Rider who does so much else for you. Um, other options are actually the Pathfinder has a gun that's definitely worth copying and brings you some almost incidental summoning into Lucius. Uh, and Dr. Grimwell, which oh, if wow. you would like to do uh, executes, Grimwell is your friend. Um, if you want your opponent to have no hand by the end of the second activation, Grimwell is your friend. Um, so these are some models that I would bring in to think, you know, specifically for him to copy. Now, how close does he, for, for, for his mimic, does he, it, does where, where he is relative to who he's trying to mimic matter? Um, and if so, what's the range on that? That's six inches on the mimic. Okay. Uh, so he's got to be able to see the guy and you know, target him six inches away and do it. Um, but one thing it's also important to remember there is the stat of the mimic is stat six. So he needs a he needs a, a six on top of the deck to get it. Easy to got do. It. You have plenty of cards. But the stat of the mimic ability becomes the new stat of the gun or of the action that he's copying. So there are some interesting things. Like if he copies, say, a pine box – which is attacking move and typically has a very low stat. He's now a stat six pine box <laughs> versus your move, and you can't cheat. So he doesn't. He doesn't bring over the attribute. Uh, uh, he he keeps the six for for that action. Yes. So uh, Gare, how about you? What what are you bringing in as a partner for um, uh, Agent Forty Six? Well, I I brought a bunch of cards here and. Everyone on the top you mentioned, the Pale Rider is obvious, um, the obvious example, and uh, but I think of them as a 24-point block instead, because I almost always use Leadline Coat on both of them. And um, I also think the Pathfinder is a very, very good um, good pick here. Also because he um, brings in some traps, and the traps do stagger, which other models benefit from. And uh, yeah, it... It depends a bit. If I'm against Titania, I'm probably going to bring a Pathfinder or the Lone Marshal just because they ignore concealment. If I'm a, up against someone that has a lot of cover, maybe something that ignores cover, like a Rifleman. But I think I think it's much better if you can get something with a four moderate damage instead of the three that very many guild models have. Yeah. Because he can, he can often get to a straight flip simply by the fact that your opponent can't cheat. Yeah. I mean, think about, I mean, for those listening, think about how many times you have, you know, been in a duel and you're losing and you cheat up though. You're still losing, but you cheat up to put the opponent on the negative. And now imagine you can't even do that. Um, so I, I, we got to talk about the pale rider. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say that, um, I think the pale rider is Maybe by far the strongest of of, of all the uh, uh, horsemen out there. Um, he's d- disgusting. So, Gary, can we talk about why everybody hates the Pale Rider? Yeah, it's because of every single rule he has. I think. <laughs> I mean, he he's insane. I know the other riders are good, but the Pale Rider is just so much better. I'm going to talk a bit about something that is uh, special for this crew because you. Everyone hates when uh, the paid rider does the devastation trigger, right? The five ram 
trigger. But when you do the Hatred Unleashed, the four-round trigger in the Lucius crew, at the end of this model's activation, friendly models within range may take the charged action one at a time, even if engaged. God. Every model in a Lucius crew has the uh, following orders ability. That means that every one of them gets to draw a card after they've charged outsider activation. That's a nasty combination. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, is as a pale rider pretty much an, an auto hire for you for elite? Uh, actually not. I've played a few times without him. I think the only auto hire I have is guild lawyer and agent 46 to some extent. Uh, but it depends a bit on what I'm trying to do. I think there are very, very many good models and I, Try to switch it up a bit so that my um, my opponents won't know what I'm bringing to each and every game. Right, right. Um, how about you, Jesse? Um, are, it just, what percentage of your crews include the Pale Rider when you're going elite? Um, maybe half. Okay. Uh, I'm generally bringing Pale Rider if I think there's going to be a whole lot of fighting. Uh, and if I think there's going to be a whole lot of fighting, I'm not entirely sure why I brought Lucius. Yeah, uh, that's not his strong suit. And if I am comfortable with other guild masters um, and it looks like a really fighty scenario, you know, I've got to think about that. Uh, but absolutely everything, everything Gary is saying, um, I second, he's he's a dirty model. Um, and Hatred Unleashed is the trigger that lets everybody charge. Uh, lots of other keywords would look at it and think that's kind of nice. Maybe use it, but they'd save for Devastation. Elite is the only keyword where I think it's on par with Devastation for that card draw. But also, again, keyword, flexibility. Um, there are many times I've used that everybody charges action, not just to cycle my hand, but to completely reposition my crew. Um, you know, charges on everybody within my crew means that everybody could shift to the right five inches, Leaving yep. engagement, repositioning, um, and I've been able to bait and switch opponents on the positioning of the crew with that ability alone. Um, yeah. That's interesting, Jesse, because you know, like my first thought is, is when you read that, you go, "Okay, so I'm going to charge in and 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 beat face, right?" But to your point, you don't have to beat face. You're talking about you know having having an unbelievable amount of flexibility with you know five you know four or five six inch pushes all around, um, which change can change everything. Uh, so, Garrett, let's talk about um, any out-of-keyword or versatile models outside of, say, the Pale Rider. Um, what are some other things that we haven't talked about that are making some of your uh, elite elite hires? Uh, how much time do you have? Uh, as much time <laughs> as we need. <laughs> Why don't you start off with a couple, and we'll let Jesse bring in a couple as well. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, the first one that I'm bringing sometimes, not that often, but sometimes is the Lone Marshal. And uh, most often, if I know that the opponent is bringing a summoner. Just because of his, uh, his free action, he can um, kill something with a summon upgrade if he has a high crow. And Lucius can usually get you that high crow. And it's right. also a good gun for the agent to copy, for the um, doppelganger to copy. And it's uh, it's a good obey target as well due to running gun. Um, speaking of doppelganger, how often are you bringing some of those Neverborn models in? So the, uh, um, the, you got the doppelganger, I'm trying to think of the other mimics you've got. Um, changelings. Changelings. Oh, and the changelings. Are, are you bringing changelings and doppelgangers in a lot? Or is that again, just, it depends on the situation. I'm bringing changelings if I want to move up the board quickly, just because they have, uh, just like you, 
You start to issue command on Lucius himself, have him walk and use the entourage ability for like, what is it, like 16, uh, 14 inches of movement in an eight model crew. Wow. Which is really, really good. And I think that's one of the key points about Lucius as well, the entourage ability, because a lot of masters I never want to walk with. Like Sonia, for example, if I had to walk with her, I consider that a personal defeat right. <laughs> in the game. But Lucius can walk and he can do a lot of stuff uh, with that. He can move around a lot of pieces. Yeah, it ends up being an uh, it ends up being an efficient action, which rarely walking is. Yeah, and especially if you use the uh, four cost changeling to do it for you. Right, right, yeah. right. I actually would like to jump in here and say one thing. Um, later on, we're going to get to I think some of the some of the downsides, and there's a trap that Gare and I have already discussed a little bit of, you know, where you can get too hung up in doing your own abilities. One mantra I have to have for myself is sometimes it's okay to walk. Now, walking feels bad. You want to do all the fancy things, but sometimes it's okay to walk. And Lucius makes that more than okay. Cause that right. walk is getting you more mileage. And, um, I would often bring one changeling just so Lucius can, you know, if I have a middling hand, he can actually issue command to the changeling who issued commands to Lucius to then walk, but I'm going to draw a card off that. So I'm cycling right. a five for the issue command for, you know, random draw a card. Uh, in addition to the changeling obeying Lucius to walk later, in addition to a lawyer obeying the changeling to obey Lucius to walk later, um, you can really have your whole team entourage around the field. Well, I, uh, the one thing I'll say about that, Jesse, and, you, and you, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of the string that you just uh, put forth um, is something that opponents are going to figure out pretty quickly is, is it's, I found it very difficult to know exactly what's going to happen next. Um, so, you know, so often you're playing against a crew and you, you kind of know what their sequence is going to be, right? You know what their target priority is going to be. You know, you have a good feeling of what model needs to activate next. And, you know, you have, you understand the game state and against an elite crew, man, it, it, it's really tough to know where, where the uh, threat's going to come from. Absolutely. Um, but that's also, again, going back to why it's a high skill cap is yep. for you to get the mileage out of that elite crew, you've got to have a really solid understanding of the game state and how you can take advantage of it, but also what you're expecting your opponent to do and what their expectations are. You know, what do I think you think that I think? Yep. Um, and they are so glassy without being cannons. They're just kind of glassy uh, yep. that if you aren't playing that game, uh, you're going to suffer and you're going to feel like this is you know not the keyword for you. So, uh, Gare, let's talk more about your list. So we got Doppelganger, we got Changelings that are coming in. Um, what, what else are things that people that um, are going to be playing Lucius need to be uh, considering? Uh, I'm actually a big fan of the False Witness. Oh, okay. He's a uh, elite slash journalist model. Hasn't actually been released yet, but is in the app, so it's good. Uh, manipulative, um, following orders like everyone has. But he also has something called distraction, which makes enemy models within two of this model um, with an aura suffer minus to willpower duels. And then that makes that, uh, which makes that uh, misinformation from Lucius, that obey from the lawyer, that much better. Right. Uh, he also has a false claim, which is stat five, target number 12, three, three range, and uh, where he drops two ski markers. And uh, during the end phase, remove a friendly ski marker from play. But that's where that extra ski marker you may have dropped from the lawyer can come into play as well. Because you can remove that instead. 
Right. So, you know, so, so often when we see false claim uh, being used with other crews, you know, you've, you've got to get ahead of yourself, right? And you have to make sure that you've got the, the one you're going to remove planted down. But um, you, again, have some efficiencies there, it sounds like, where you can say that incidental ski marker that you really didn't give a crap about um, suddenly becomes the, becomes the one you can lift off uh, for false claim. Yeah, exactly. And a false claim makes it so easy to score, um, score a scheme like detonate charges which is actually a really hard scheme to do without false claim. Yep, yep. Jesse, what are some other models that we need to make sure that uh, Lucius players are looking at? Uh, so there's actually a lot of models within the crew that I feel like we haven't necessarily gotten to. Um, false witness is awesome. It shares keyword with journalists uh, and absolutely everything that was said there. I'd add that the Jacques the attack on that, um, while it's kind of a lowbrow, it's a scheming model type attack, um, again, once you've reduced the opponent's hand, um, you have a fair chance of getting off this attack that's going to do one, two, three damage, but then have a trigger to make an opponent remove one of its scheme markers from play. And if it can't, it takes another two damage. Cool. So either you're, again, AP efficiency, you're winning the AP game by forcing their models off, their markers off the table, or they haven't got a marker, and this 1, 2, 3 damage is now suddenly a lot more like a min 3 attack. Yep. Um, that they're going to be on a neg to resist. Uh, but False Witness is great. Um, scribe changing, we've gotten to the Doppelganger. Um, I like the Doppelganger. <laughs> I'm curious to hear if Gare ever really puts her into play, but I feel like she doesn't quite have a home. Um, and then the investigators, which are, I think are right up there, especially in combination with the false witness. Um, their aura, when a ski marker is dropped within uh, four inches of them, um, they can make a model that's close to that marker push three inches away from the marker. So false witness, drop a couple markers, you're now shoving your team or the opponent's team around the map. Um, in addition to more card draw and one of your better melee attacks, more discard um, and more control, the investigator is another really good utility model if you're going to stay pretty heavily in the elite keyword. Yep. So, Gare, to what Jesse said, does Doppelganger really just can't, can't find a home? Yeah, I use her sometimes. She's a pretty good schema. I think she's the only... Only model except uh, Nelly in Guild to have Don't Mind Me. So she can actually uh, interact while engaged. That's right. good with Lucius because he can um, issue command on her to do something while engaged. And yeah, she can also copy weapons and be a kind of a second tier beater, I find. So uh, kind of listening to all of this, guys, um, you know, you have not only flexibility on the table, but a lot of flexibility in hiring. Um, my, I, I, is, it a is there a trap as you're building your crew to go too far into um, kind of these fancy combination tricks and stuff um, and, 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 and miss on some, maybe some of the meat, meat and potatoes hires. Um, you know, how do you, how do you balance that? So you don't have just a, a whole bunch of models that are obeying other models and pushing other models, but nobody's actually doing anything. Yeah. Uh, you know, the guild steward, the really, really good model that everyone keeps talking about. I hate that model. Yeah. Go did, ahead. did you realize that none of us talked about hiring him into this crew? Yeah. Just because I think um he's a very good model, but he that that get that gets bloaty. If you yeah. have changelings, you have lawyers and you have the steward, then at some point you have too much support and not enough not enough beating. 
And I think uh, you talked about the investigator. Uh, I have to say something about him or her as well, because I've heard so many people who don't like the investigator. Uh, due to, for example, the range zero. But, I mean, there are so many ways to get to push her while she is um, engaged by something. From the stand back, it's evidence, uh, for example, if you do something with a false witness, use a false claim, you can push her into combat. If you obey her with a lawyer, you can drop a ski market first and push her into combat. If you use Lucius to issue command, you can use under pressure to try and push her into combat. And uh, the zero range is debilitating, but it isn't as debilitating as it could have been. Right, right. Be- because because of the uh, of all that all the movement shenanigans. Yeah. Do you ever hire another master, uh, Garen, to uh, elite? Uh, we hate second masters, but uh, yeah, <laughs> okay. Uh, I I could have done that. Yeah. And I think uh, who, who's a candidate? Do you think who, uh, who who matches up as a good hire? I think there are three candidates, and I think uh, the first one is Dashell Bach. He can um, yeah, he can summon. Uh, you can. Um, you can use those summons uh, to issue command on as they are, as they are uh, minions. Yep. And it's Sonia Creed and Lady Justice because just because uh, I think those are the two best beaters we have. Lucius isn't very card hungry himself, so he can uh, kind of cycle good cards for them to use. Jesse, do you find yourself hiring uh, into uh, another master, hiring another master into an elite? Um. Yeah, occasionally. Uh, Dashel, I think, is a good play. Uh, when he summons in a model, it comes in slow, and he needs you know um, to do something about that if you can. Lucius has the ability to you know issue a command to that model, and then before the model takes its action, remove the slow from him. Right. And then if you issue a command for him to focus, and you also have Dashel's henchman on the field, uh, he's actually going to gain fast now. Got it. So you take a slow model and take it all the way to fast. Um, so there's some good combinations there. If the pool is sufficiently schemey, I might drop Agent 46 and bring in Nelly. Oh, wow. Because there is a lot overlapping. Generally, journalists and elite, you can just mix and match models between these keywords and generally do pretty well for a schemey list. But you know, her ability to force somebody to take an interact, again, within six inches of a lawyer, not only is she going to draw a card, gain a focus, put slow on you, perhaps do some damage, um, then force you to do an interact, you're going to now discard a card on top of that. Yep. And once you've discarded one card, you're down to five. If you're talking about key models near the betrayal aura, you can only cheat twice now. Nice. Which is just the impact of even a single discard um, can have. But Nelly is um, kind of a maze balls for scheming. And so <laughs> I think she's well worth her points there. So those are the two I would consider. Um, unless I got hit by a curveball and think, oh no, I need some superior range DPS or something like that, in which case I'd be looking maybe at a Sonya. Right. Now, um, we talked a little bit about Leadline Coke, um, but uh, Jesse, are you using guild upgrades in this crew? I am using guild upgrades less and less, period. Okay. Um, Leadline Coke, I have had some struggle just looking at the numbers of it. Uh, it gives you armor and I can't be moved. If my opponent's bringing Colette, awesome. Let's do this. Um, but if I'm not worried about movement tricks, it's just giving me plus one armor at the cost of two stones. And I'm not going to put it on a minion typically because minions are just going to pop. I feel like they can get, you know, if they can get to that severe damage, they can do enough damage. That armor is not going to save their life. And I don't have the healing 
to make it back. You know, I'm right. talking about from six to zero. And so if I think that I'm going to be sticking Agent 46 or Alan Reed in a fire, um, I might give them armor. If I think my opponent's going to come after Lucius, I might give them give him armor. But otherwise, I'm not really using my upgrades. Um, there may be some place for no prisoners as an upgrade, um, but I haven't experimented much with it because, again, that's more of a fighty upgrade. And again, if I'm if I'm playing Lucius, I probably brought him for non-fighty reasons. He can do reckoning, right? But mm, there are better options. Yeah. How about you, Gary? Are you are you using uh, guild upgrades? No, not really. Not not really in any cruise, I think. But uh, I've seen uh, some people use uh, expert marksman on Lucius. I'm not sure I like that at all, really, because I think as we've been talking about flexibility, I think that's um, putting expert marksman on him is kind of like putting all your eggs in the basket, saying I'm going to do hidden sniper all game, and right, it's not that good. Yeah, it, it kind of count, counter to really the the overall benefits of bringing this crew at all. Yeah, I think so because you yep. yeah you need to have your options open, and other crews can do that with uh, upgrades. Uh, crews like Shenlong and Ophelia can do that with upgrades during the game, but with Lucius you have to just use the variety of actions to get that kind of flexibility and not yep. get to um, force fed into a certain uh, strategy. I think. So, Gary, uh, Jesse mentioned Alan Reed. Um, uh, can you can you talk us about uh, whether you use Alan at all, and if so, why? Uh, I use him uh, quite a lot, actually. He's uh, kind of like an alternative investigator, I think. He has a very good uh, ability called Nefarious Pact that would probably be even better in other crews. At the end of this model's activation, it may draw a card. Uh, he shut down bonus actions, which is very good, yeah. especially if you are playing as Ressus and they have Archie, because uh, he has intimidating authority, which can put Archie in a minus. Archie can't leap away. And, um, yeah, he, as everyone else, he draws cards when he's um, ordered to do something. Yeah. Jesse, is, is Alan Reed a tech piece for you? Um. Hmm. Well, I don't know that I would think of him as a tech piece because I can't think of many scenarios where I would specific. Except, let me retract. If I think they're bringing a writer, that diversion oh, okay. is going to be really, really big. The ability yeah, to lock point. down um, bonus actions, but I would bring him into a build, especially if I'm working with Doctor Grimwell. Those okay. two play together just so well. Grimwell loves for his targets to be staggered, and uh, I guess it's true. Um, for those who aren't familiar with Dr. Grimwell, he is a uh, versatile henchman whose big shtick is to get into melee range with the opponent and hit him with a skull saw, which is the same thing that McMorning is swinging. Um, and that forces on hit, you know, either discard a card or gain injured two. If the opponent is, if the target is staggered, it automatically has the main trigger built in. So you're discarding a card. So you're discarding one to two cards each time he hits you with that. Well, Alan Reed has stagger um, on a bonus action and has a Garrote. So if the target is staggered, he can come in with a min three attack. And he also has one more question. Target gains slow with a coordinated attack, which means oh. he can make um, Dr. Grimwell attack again. So those two, if I want to go for a true hand destruction build, um, Alan Reed's going to come in alongside Dr. Grimwell. 
So, uh, uh, Gair, is there any models before we finish up talking about the crew? Is there any models that we have not talked about that really, really need uh, to mention? I think we talked about everyone in the crew at this point. Uh, we should just note that both uh, Alan Reed and uh, Agent 46 has execute as well after you've drained all those cards. I didn't, you know, I don't think I really, because I haven't seen Alan Reed on the table yet. Part, uh, I'm sure because he hasn't even been released, so it'd be just be proxy, but I did not realize he has execute. That's good. He has a zero range melee, but yeah, it's still good. <laughs> it's still he has, good. He has very good triggers, actually. He also has the talk trigger on the RAM, uh, which is target may discard two cards. If it does not, the opposing player must name one of the unrevealed schemes. Oh, wow. That's cool. That's very cool. And it kind of plays very well into the whole Lucius thing of being the mastermind who knows everything. Yeah. So suddenly you know his schemes, you know his cards. <laughs> yeah. It's very thematic, right? Yeah. Um, and something I, I guess I hadn't thought about, you know, building off of that execute, because you're doing so much uh, hand pressure on your opponent, y- the execute can become a way to drain them of stones because it's all that they have left um, if they don't have cards, right? Yeah, obviously. Very cool. So, guys, let's take another break. When we get back from this break, I want to talk about um, when do we bring in um, Lucius? So what are what are some strategies? What are some schemes that an elite crew, uh, you know, does well uh, at uh, better than maybe any other guild master, which makes them uh, the, the go to? We'll be right back. Hi there, this is Owen from the Nova Open, and I am a $5 patron of Third Floor Wars because I love supporting the whole Malifaux community. I want to help Craig and the whole Third Floor Wars team continue making the fantastic content that gets me through my daily commute. You should join me in supporting the show. Just pause this episode, head to patreon.com and search Third Floor Wars, or grab the link in the show notes. See you there. So how much are three or four of these episodes worth to you a month? Third Floor Wars has a Patreon, and if you think they're worth a dollar, five dollars, twenty dollars a month, swing by and become a patron. We have polls to decide the next episode of the pod, along with early releases of articles and podcasts. Everything we release goes out to everyone, but sometimes our patrons get a head start. The link is in the show notes, or just search for Third Floor Wars on Patreon.com. Thanks for the support. Hey, want to take a quick minute to thank some of our newest patrons. Uh, we really appreciate your support. Thank you to Andre, LaShawn Allen, Guillermo Hagen, Dave Gross, Vlad Barl, Gazgul, Robert Singer, Joseph Gerard, Matt Carter, Cohen Soles, and Matthew Overton. We appreciate it. All right. So, you know, with with all of this flexibility, um, I mean, this is one of the largest uh, core crew segments I think I've done for any uh, deep dive so far, because, you know, you've got so many options um, that sound viable. Um, Gary, I'd like to understand, you know, from a strategy standpoint, do you think there's one or two strategies that immediately make you consider Lucius? I actually played him in everyone. Uh, I actually did a tournament when I played him in every strat, won every game. I think I even played the same list. No, I don't think I did that, but almost. <laughs> uh, but 
there are a few he's better in than the other ones. I think Guild has so many good reckoning uh, options that he doesn't excel in that one. But I think he's very, very good in uh, plant explosives, where you can uh, make use of yeah the Shatiora from the lawyers, uh, the um, yeah the fact that you can interact out of activation, right? And uh, yeah, he can move across the table quite fast. And I think he's very good into corrupted idols, especially because you have so much hand control that you can um, that you can often choose. Often, I'm not saying not always, but often choose where the idols come into play. Which is the key to idols, right? Is the the, the typically speaking, the player that is controlling the placement um, is winning that game. Um, so I could see that being. Uh, critical but with plant explosives it's something i hadn't uh, thought about before you almost have a nice kind of a one-two punch you're good at it and you're making it hard for somebody else because of all that chatty action yeah uh, absolutely and i think lucius is good when there's a lot of interact actions going on he's he's good when you your opponent has to come to you with the guns and stuff and he's yeah, he's he's good. He's good. <laughs> <laughs> so Jesse, um, looking at you know beyond. Um, well, first of all, do, do you agree that um, those are the two uh, strategies that uh, you like uh, Lucius in the most? Yeah, I agree that he can run anything. He's going to be you know relative to other guild masters. You're going to be looking at him for explosives and cursed idols, right? Right. Uh, but how about schemes? Um, so what are some schemes that just make you immediately think Lucius? So it's actually the scheme pool that I'll look at first for deciding whether or not I'll bring Lucius. I mean, if three or four out of five of the schemes involve a lot of interaction where you're dropping markers, things like that, even in Reckoning, I'll consider Lucius. And I've run Lucius into a Shinlong in a very schemey pool and he came out okay. Wow. Um, just because you're playing the other half of things. Yep. But um, detonate charges and um, you know search ruins, harness the ley line, anything where you're dropping down enough scheme markers, uh, especially detonate. I've heard a lot of people say that that scheme's just too hard to do. It's not worth doing, um, or it's not efficient. And all that tells me is those people aren't bringing the models that do detonate. Um, Guild Lawyer, hey, that obey, um, as Gare mentioned, draw out secrets is attached to it. So you're going to drop a scheme marker in addition to the obey if you time things right. Right. As well as false claim on the false witness. You also have draw out secrets on the investigator. It's not hard for you to get scheme markers beside the people you want to get scheme markers to. Got it. Um, Also, and this is something that's often forgotten with Lucius, um, I half the time I use it, I have to show the card to my opponents to remind them it exists. Subterfuge. When an enemy, this is on Lucius, when an enemy ski marker would be dropped within six, this model may discard a card. If it does so, a friendly dream ski marker is dropped instead. So not only is Lucius doing a really good job of getting his schemes, but in a very scheme marker heavy pool, he's going to deny, you know, as long as he has a card, it's almost impossible to get the second part to deliver a message on him, for example. Right. Um, so, Gare, is there um, if I'm going up against an elite crew, right? So, if I'm playing you and um, I, and I look at the pool, is there some schemes that I should just not even consider? Yeah, I think uh, definite charges is hard, uh, and I also think, I, I mean, uh, harness the ley line can be hard as well, especially if Lucius and the lawyer is close. 
because you have to discard a card to uh, take your interaction action, and I'm discarding a card to make that uh, scheme marker mine instead. <laughs> right. <laughs> so those are hard to get. I think Lucius excels in scheme marker heavy uh, pools. So I'd be curious because, you know, and this is because I haven't played Guild yet in three, um, I've only played against it, but w when do you choose Elite versus um, the Journalist? So when, when do you go Lucius versus going Nelly? That's a good question. I was asking myself that during the Norwegian Open when I uh, decided this is the game for Nelly. So I set up a Nellylist I never played before against a very good Russian player who came there, the only game I lost and I was thinking afterwards, why didn't I bring Lucius instead? And I have <laughs> no idea why I did that. But um, but yeah, uh, I think I think it depends if you want to be in keyword or not. But I think uh, the elites are a bit more killy than the journalists are. Okay, how about you, Jesse? How do you make the decision between Nelly and Lucius? Uh, they are close enough in capabilities in the areas they specialize in that it can be a really hard choice sometimes. And it will be thinking, you know, what do I think my opponent's bringing? For instance, I shy away from bringing Lucius into Bayou um, because, it, it, as the initial announcement, because of models like Ma Tucket being oh, able right. to mass focus. Um, and I shy a little bit from bringing him in the 10 thunders because of just how much plus flip they have access to on ranged attacks where they're going to be outside of my bubble, outside of my ability to control them. And they're going to be picking off my models. So in that case, Nelly's, you know, going to be a little bit more of a preference, even though she relies on a lot of the same stuff. Um, I will say that in cursed idols, I like Nelly a bit more than Lucius, uh, for her ability to put all the idols in one place and control that zone, which is actually when we played at Nova, Craig, you and I, uh, was the strategy I used because she is she can control a node of cursed idols better than any other model in the game. So I don't know, Jesse, if I've ever been that frustrated in a game, um, that game that we had at Nova. So uh, Jesse handed me my only loss at Nova and it was Nelly into cursed idols. And I don't know, halfway through turn three, Jesse, I'm just like, all right, you know, this game's over. <laughs> I mean, we'll play it out. But at this point, like there's literally nothing I can do. Um, and I, I don't know if I've ever been shut down quite as hard as I was in that game. It was really well played. <laughs> uh, she's a little bit rude. Our friend yeah. Nelly. Um, so I will say, um, the last thing I would throw in for Lucius versus Nelly, if you need team maneuverability, so if you need to get multiple models around the table, uh, Lucius is far better for that. Nelly can get a model to travel fairly well, but right. uh, Lucius is better at getting more of your team to travel. Uh, and one model I want to give a shout out to just before we walk completely away from the combinations of uh, journalist and elite is the undercover reporter. Oh, yeah, we haven't um, talked about that. So for all of the scheming, there is one scheme that Lucius is not great at countering, and that is power ritual. Because he wants things in a bubble to a certain degree. It's a nice large bubble, but he still has yeah. trouble controlling all the corners. Um, so if somebody has, say, a soulstone miner or, or Kruligans or some other way to travel very quickly across the table, he has trouble shutting that down. But the undercover reporter is an all-star model for me. Um, I have a permanent proxy for it. I'm waiting for the, the real model to come from uh, Weird. For their ability to arson and pop a scheme marker from anywhere on the table 
with a trigger. It's so good. Um, I had a game against Steve Bynum where the last kill was first activation of turn two. No other models were attacked or killed in that game. And it was still close because we were just placing markers and eating markers the whole time. And it was because of that undercover reporter. Yeah, no, it's a good model. And you, it is one of the few models that you just read the card and immediately know how good it is. Um, you don't even need to see it on the table. Um, but, uh, it, uh, yeah, that, that, that is, that is very good. So guys, we're going to take another break. When we get back from this break, I'm going to pick their brains. I want to learn, um, what they consider second level play with Lucius and an elite crew. And we also need to talk about where the elite crew has weaknesses and how to counter them. So we'll be right back. Howdy friends, Craig here. With 3rd Edition Malifaux released, it's time for you to get a new mat with new deployment zones. We've tried every mat in the business and nobody has better quality and selection than Mats by Mars. They're waterproof and they roll and unroll easily and they're even wet erase Marco compatible. They offer over 35 designs and let you add M3E overlays for making deployment and positioning a breeze. Check them out at matsbymars.com. They are offering a sweet discount for our listeners. After you found the perfect mat, use the promo code THIRDFLOOR to get 10% off your entire order. If you really want to support us in the notes of your order, request that our logo be put in the corner of your mat. It's the only way to make the best mat in the business even cooler. Again, that's Matt by Mars. Use the promo code THIRDFLOOR to get a 10% discount. Details are in the show notes. So one of the, this is really kind of the segment of the deep dives that I, that I really love the most because we get, we get two bits of information. One, we get a chance to find out from people that have gotten their reps in, um, what are some things to look forward to as you get better with the crew? And then, uh, I always like to know how to counter them. So, uh, Gare, let's start with you. Um, what are some things that you discovered about the elite crew? Um, only after you got your reps in. So things that weren't obvious at first, but now, um, you consider second level play. Yeah, there's one thing I mentioned. I played War Machine before, and we were very. Uh, there's something to be said about threat ranges. Uh, how how far can someone um, kind of do something to you? How far away can they be? Uh, and I think that's uh, something that Lucius does very well. He can suddenly attack you from somewhere that you weren't aware that he could. If Agent Forty Six has a gun, for example. He can, um, uh, then Lucius can walk, entourage him two up, and then command him with the under pressure for another two inches, which means that if you have a 14-inch gun, you can target someone 18 away. And people often don't see that coming because Malifaux is an alternating alternating activations game. Uh, In a game where you activate your whole army, you have to be, be prepared for that. But I don't think people are very prepared for that in Malifaux with the alternating activations. Well, and something that's that's key, um, you know, is when you're when you're deciding what your next action is going to be. So what model you're going to activate. One of the considerations you make is, well, that model's activated. So for this turn, you know, I don't need to worry about that model. And you can't do that with a Lucius crew. No, AG46 can do... Uh, or any anyone for that matter, but it's often S Agent Forty Six. Uh, I managed to kill Misaki in a round, I think, uh, during wow. uh, a game I played because he charged her into him, 
and I, he he kept asking me, "Has this model activated?" And I said, "No, uh, someone <laughs> else has moved him up." But even if he had activated, uh, it wouldn't really matter all that much, right? Uh, so, um, yeah, Misaki activated, charged into him, did very little, and uh, because he was shielded and had armor, of course. And then he hit back. Uh, Lucius <laughs> makes him attack three times. He attacks two times himself. The lawyer makes him attack oh. two times, maybe, through a changeling. And yeah, at the end of that, your master is going to be dead. And I think the first time you play against Lucius, you're going to lose. Just because yeah. you don't expect someone to do that so many times, especially not with a beat you can't cheat against. It's a very unique experience, so I completely agree that that he can he can he just hits you from so many different places, and it's it's very hard to get your arms around the game state when you're when you're up against Lucius. Um, Jesse, how about you? What what are some things that you picked up or and you learned after you got your reps in with uh, Lucius? Uh, well, so I definitely learned you know style A is Agent Forty Six, and you could make it so every AP you use in a turn goes through Agent Forty Six. If you wanted, mm-hmm. um, you probably don't, <laughs> but that's not quite efficient. Um, but some other tricks I've learned is if you do spread out your AP, you have a lot of AP efficiency, you know, dropping markers on triggers, um, getting coordinated attacks. So you actually have quite a lot of coordinated attack. You've got it in, a- in Lucius's melee, which is a- admittedly plan B. Uh, you have it in one more question on Alan Reed. Agent 46 could copy it. Um, and you can use that to get a lot of extra attacks for doubling up. Um, but one neat little trick that um, somehow took me way too long to recognize is Lucius can issue command to himself. Mm. It's a tactical action. Now, why do I want to take a TN to issue a command to take an AP when I'm not going to draw a card or anything like that? Because you have the purification trigger. And so you can remove, somebody has, say, slowed you. He can issue a command to himself to take an action, get the purification trigger, remove that slow, and he's back to three AP. Very nice. Um, And between that and his scribe and the ability to copy things, and Gare, I think, was getting at this some earlier, you actually have a surprising amount of condition removal that can be available to you or condition workaround. So an opponent has slowed a key model. Fine. I'll pump other AP into him, Um, which is not always expected and not always looked for. Well, and there's enough crews out there, Jesse, that that depend on debilitating you with conditions that um, your ability to adjust for that, I think, could be huge, uh, say, against Rasputina. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think people, yeah, sorry, I think people actually underestimate how good describes Disciple Magic is because it's actually stat six. Oh, wow, which is I didn't realize that. the highest in the game, I think. Yeah. At least it's, the, I think it's the highest in Guild. It's higher than the Steward. And what's the target number for that? Uh, Twelve. Okay, so you, so you still need a six, but but it, but using it offensively with a stat six is a big deal. Yeah, uh, that's the point. It's higher than the willpower of uh, the fire golem, for example. Yeah. It's higher than the willpower of uh, McMorning. It's yeah. And again, yeah. people are assuming that they can cheat when they do that math, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> oh God, I'm getting frustrated listening to this. So let's go to weaknesses and counters, Jesse. Uh, what are, what are some things that, uh, if I was a good player, I could do, um, to help mitigate, um, everything we've been talking about? Um, yeah, again, and I think I've sort of pointed these out in some of the factions that make me a bit worried is uh, mass focus on ranged attacks. You know, rooster riders with 14 inch guns and three focus, a little scary, unless I can get to you first, um, because that's going to power through my defenses and even my hand advantage to a certain extent. So right. ranged plus flip pressure uh, can be really rough. Yeah, I think a lot of threats at the same time can be very debilitating to the crew. You like being able to pick off opponents one mm-hmm. by one. And if they rush you, then it's going to be much, much harder because they're going to drain your hand. And even though you have the advantage, at some point you're going to run out of cards. Well, and and do you consider, I mean, it sounds to me like, you know, definitely Lucius has the tools to get, get his control hand sculpted to where he needs it to be. But he also sounds like he's card hungry as well. So anything that attacks your hand, I, I would imagine, is troublesome, like a Yoku. Yeah, and I mean, he, uh, as I mentioned earlier, some of his cards are earmarked as well. You want that, you don't want to um, get rid of that low mask or low tome in case you need it for your lawyer to do tools for the job. So maybe you do something else with that. And you may want a mid ram for your pale rider, for example, which goes right. for every guild, of course. But And you may want those low tomes and. Um, masks for issue command and the triggers there because you don't have any built-in triggers so some of them actually hurt to get rid of even though if it's um if they're low cards so you don't like to see execute triggers and things like that stuff that's gonna that's forcing you to discard i mean you you're fine you're going to be fine but it's going to make it way way harder for you right. and if if you have to spend all of your severs on cheating uh, defensively then you don't have anything else left and for example if nakima comes in if she pulls a decent card then well you're not going to be able to cheat out of it because no one in your crew has higher than defense five right so that that pressure is a problem yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. Um, so, guys, we're going to take another break. When we get back from this break, um, you know, we ha- we this is the, really the first guild deep dive we've done on the show, um, and we've got two um, what I consider top tier guild players, and I want to kind of talk about kind of the. The, the state of guild right now. Um, there's a lot of people that consider guild to be one of, if not the weakest faction. And I want to talk to these guys about a, whether they agree. Um, and if so, uh, or if not, um, you know, why is that? So, uh, we're going to talk about guild as a faction. We'll be right back. Howdy folks, Craig here. Now, if you love gadgets as much as we do, you're going to love the new third floor wars gadget bundle from Schooner labs. Branded with the logo of your favorite podcast, it comes with two measuring multi-tools, a compass stepper for those tight and important movements, along with a compact dashboard to track your turn, strat, and scheme scoring along with your soul stones and pass tokens. It is the perfect bundle for anyone who plays Malifaux or just wants to look cool while doing it. The link is in the show notes. Check them out and help support your favorite gaming podcast. 
you know, I, I played Rezzers at the end of two, um, and I took Rezzers and, you know, have only played Rezzers into three. Um, but I haven't pretty much the entire, uh, uh, guild faction painted and ready. Um, and so many of the guild masters I love, especially, um, you know, I think the new versions of them in three are just so enticing, not just Lucius, um, which was my favorite from two, but, um, everybody's telling me, um, that you know guild is the weakest faction and uh i saw let's start off jesse do you find like you're fighting an uphill battle by because you're a guild player i have um definitely been frustrated and this has been uh definitely a point of conversation in the meta i'm actually um playing outside of guild right now in practice games because i just needed to take a little bit of a break and come back and look again um and i think it's a number of things guild is competitive Obviously, we're able to get in there and we're able to win games, but it definitely feels like we have to combo to get off the same sort of actions that other people just do with one AP. Um, And the biggest place where this uh, becomes visible to me is in mobility. Uh, We have one leap in the faction. It's on a master and it's not baked in. We have, uh, I think, two models with flight. They're minions. They're very small, and one of them is really not worth bringing. Right. Um, We have a lot of pushes, but they've just introduced increased terrain to the game, which is going to interrupt a lot of our pushes. So while we've spent a lot of time talking about Lucius's mobility, um, and he is, he is a mobile master. If you look at the faction, it's a big struggle. You got a lot of models that are walking without place effects, without leaping, without flight, um, versus other places where, hey, here's my, you know, here's my minion with baked in leap, and over here is my enforcer with baked in leap, and it's just hard to keep up with. Is is there any masters, Jesse? So like it right now in Rezzers, um, I'm very frustrated with Reva. Uh, I just I don't I don't. She has no place um, on the table for me uh, within the faction. Um, are, do you have masters right now that that are kind of fall under that um, in in guild? Uh, for the no place, I've got uh, two masters that come to mind. First, um, I think base is stuck in cute. He's got a couple of cute things he can do, but I think he's waiting for an enforcer who's going to make everything sort of gel together and give him more to actually work with. Because right now it's kind of cute, a couple of kind of one dimensional tricks, and it doesn't quite hold together. Right. Another master that I have played extensively, um, I've taken him into tournaments and I've done okay, is Dashel our yep. mainline summoner. And um, I am very frustrated. I have actually officially just put down Dashel because his summon is just flat too expensive to do. Um, if, he's, if, if you are building your game around him summoning, um, he has to go through too many hoops to do it for models that aren't good enough. They're good but they don't make up the difference for the effort he's going to to pull off summons and the amount of opponent playing along that he needs to pull off summons. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you look at Dash and you go, holy crap, he can bring out an executioner, but good Lord, the path to make that happen? Yeah, it becomes kind of feast or famine. Um, Right. And I've had turns, you know, turn one, where I'm even stoning for cards, and I've brought in a couple of draw tricks, and still the best I could summon is a guard patrol, which is not a good day. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, how about you, Gary? Where, where do you feel like the faction is? Um, do you agree that it, it, that it might be the weakest faction right now? And if so, is there things that um, hopefully are coming down the line that'll that'll change that? Yeah, I think we may be better than the Explorer Society right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which you share a master with. I was, like, yeah. I was like, wait a minute, are we averaging? Because McCabe's pretty strong. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Maybe even. But I, I agree, Jesse. I think they put some hurdles to doing the stuff that Guild uh, wants to do. And I think the shell is the best example of that. Uh, because you need the opponent scheme, Marcus, which is going to take you. You need to set that up. I don't actually know another summoner in the game who has to set up his summoning. Or, I mean, Vasilisa or henchman level summoners they maybe need some setup but no yeah, master that's different. summoners yeah. yeah yeah no master summoners need um, need that setup and i think that's uh the mobility is obviously a big problem because when you have wrestlers with by your side for example you just discard a card to move across the whole table or a dreamer can move a lord Chomper bits into combat uh, that doesn't happen in guilt never it never happens and um, I think I think part of that may be the fact that uh, during an open beta like the one we had, you will see a lot of players who come from other war games where killing is the only important thing. And for them, I believe that guild looks very very strong because we're very good at killing. We're very good guns, right? And. Well, I kind of felt that it got balanced a bit around that during the better. And, well, mobility wasn't that big of an issue, which it should have been. You know, in in all of this uh, session that we've had, I think it's the first place I'm going to disagree with you. Ooh. Um, I don't think we're nearly as good at killing as something like Outcasts. And you mentioned guns. No, I don't think so either. Yeah. But uh, okay. I, think, uh, I think that's... Uh, I've, that's the idea I have that it was balanced from that perspective but I think there are others that are better than us but I right. they weren't as easy to spot okay I could see that but one struggle um, I've had with this is we have you know part of the whole we're balanced around killing and we have access to damage is we have more critical strike trigger plus one damage than any other faction we also and this was a a survey that I did back right at right around 322, so right at the end of beta. And if it's changed, I apologize. But um, we have dramatically less baked-in triggers across our faction than the other factions. I think there was one, and it might have been Outcast, that was close but still had more than us. And then the next yep. was almost double the number of baked-in triggers. Uh, and that is not obvious as a problem. But it's easy to think, well, you have access to these good triggers. Yes, but again, we're jumping through hoops. We need the right card. We need a stone to get to those triggers where other people are jumping through less hoops to pull off their thing. And it just becomes this subtle, quiet pressure on the whole yep. faction in everything that you're doing. So, Jesse, if you could wave a magic wand um, and let's pretend that you uh, were qualified enough to actually be a game designer, which you're not. Neither am I. Wow. Um, I my feels there. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, what do you think could be done um, that, that would help? I think carefully adding in some baked in suits would relieve some of that pressure very carefully because it's an easy way to overbalance a model. Yep. Um, 
Dashiell, he needs something um, so that we can say that we have a mainline summoner. We have a primary mm-hmm. function summoner. Um, and otherwise, it's really tough to say because we're not so far behind right. that we need an entire revamp or that we need to completely flip models. I think there are enough cases, though, where you can look at models we have, like the Pistolero de Latigo doesn't cut the muster for me. He doesn't do the job. And I look at him for a four-cost model, and I compare to other four-cost models within faction, across factions, and I think there's just too many cases where we look at this model and go, yeah, there's here are a dozen models that do what he wants to do twice as well. Yep. yep. Uh, and so just especially on some of our lower cost models there, a bit of love, just little nudges, which I understand is difficult to do, but I'm not going to say, Hey, uh, we all need Rams baked into everything. So do you think, um, do you think a place that could be looked at? Cause I, I, you have complained, um, and made the case that you guys have the weakest, uh, upgrades. Um, do you think that that's a place that could make a difference is if we introduced or changed up some of the guild upgrades? I wouldn't say I complained. I'd say I <laughs> artfully indicated an issue. Maybe I think it's how I would okay, phrase that. Right. Um, sure. <laughs> it might've sounded like whinging. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Our upgrades could use some love. Uh, as I've already said, uh, Leadline Code is about the only one I'll take, and I won't take it that often. You know, it's stapled to Perdita and Sonya because they have no other defenses. Well, Perdita has no other defenses. Um, but yeah, for the abilities to really get the mileage in our upgrades, they need to be on minions. And our minions mm-hmm. are squishy. We yep. are traditionally, or not traditionally, we are culturally glassy in guild. We don't have a lot of defense. We don't have hard to wound and an extra hit point stapled in as resers do. We don't have access to uh, a lot of armor um, or well, we do have a fair bit of healing. Um, So it's, it's difficult for me to see myself putting an extra two stones on a little minion that can easily be popped. Right. So it costed at five becomes seven and is gone in an activation. Yep. Yep. Uh, Gare, how about you? Um, what would be potential your, your prescription, um, to, to really kind of make it less of an uphill battle? Uh, since Jesse's not complaining, can I complain about the upgrades? Yeah. (laughs) Because I think they're horrible. I think it's like everything has to do with shooting in some way. And all the most interesting abilities are in minions. I think if you compare them to, for example, um, Arcanists, I know you like them. I'm a huge fan. Yeah. Arcane Reservoir on the stick, Diesel Engine. Yeah, we don't have anything like that. Yeah. Stealth, and, Butterfly Jump, uh, yeah. Resistance Triggers don't work. Yeah. Ten th- we don't talk about Ten Thunders here. <laughs> Apparently, they didn't talk about it during beta either. <laughs> For example, the um, one of the things on Expert Marksman is a trigger that isn't built in. Uh, I mean, it's built in for two models, right? Can be very, very good on Sonya, for example, because she has it built in. But for m- most models, it's not going to be very good. I never take them. I take Leadline Coat a lot. But I, again, I think these are more like normal war game upgrades. They give you a bit better fighting abilities. 
but right. they don't give you anything else. They don't give you that stealth. They don't give you that uh, that uh, arcane reserve. Or they don't give you, yeah. They don't. Oh, I mean, restless have ruthless, for example, which they don't even use that often. Yep. <laughs> which is it's good in certain strategies. It's good in certain games, and I think we lack a bit of that. And I think very many of the things we talk about that are good in Lucius, the flexibility, the mobility, the ability to get extra APs by dropping ski markers and stuff like that, that's something that is lacking in other guildmasters and that other factions have. Yeah. Well, other factions have not just isolated to one master or one keyword. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, no. for Entourage, just as an example, you know, we talked a lot about how the value of Entourage to make your whole team move two inches. Well, then I look over at Snowstorm in Rasputina, mm-hmm. can drop shockwaves to make all of those models move three inches. Yep. And I'm like, okay, well, that's nice. Um, and that's a flexible ability, can do other things. And I know that you can't compare one ability to another directly because they're doing different things. They're in different places. Yeah, they're um, in different contexts, but that yeah. is the. The perception, this perspective that a guild player has is they're constantly being faced with these other things going, that is just more efficient than what I have. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Lucius, and again, I, I will second Gary again. Lucius is the one who starts to break that. And that's why I think he's seeing a lot of play and is considered one of our strongest masters right now. And I'm also, yeah. I'm also a bit afraid that uh, someone like Agent 46 may restrict our design space a bit. Yeah. How so? Oh, gee, you know uh, what? That makes sense. Uh, uh, verbalize that, though. Because yeah. it took me a second. Uh, because he has the mimic ability, he's a soulstone user, and he has a no-sheet ability. Yeah. And I think we won't get a Sue or a, um, a Rusty Alice or something because that gun would be way too good on several models, especially if you can't cheat against that. And I actually think that's going to, I think that may be a problem for us in the future. That's very interesting. I use Agent 46. I actually don't like Agent 46. He's a valuable model, but exactly that design space problems. And the fact that I have to keep going back to using him because I, you know, I need that leg up. He actually is blocking out space for other models. And um, absolutely, I mean, we have to be very careful what you put anywhere near him. And that might be blocking us out of some stuff. That's really interesting, guys, that, that really maybe nerfing 46 a little bit could help the faction. I'm thinking Pale Rider is going to get a nerf at some point. Yeah, he's going to get Pale Rider's good. He's so good. Yeah. Yeah, he's so good. <laughs> um, but I, that's a that's a really good point to close on, though, guys. I hadn't thought about that from a design space. Um, it, it's similar to... Um, Rezzers in in uh, second edition because of summoners um, and because of Nicodem, uh, Rezzer minions sucked um, and were all overcosted because of the you know uh, the threat of Nico summoning them and um, the the fact that Rezzers have far more restrictive summoning now in three actually ended up helping the faction um, because they didn't have to worry about, uh, you know, that that un- unleashing Nicodem's summoning. Um, so that's very, very interesting to me. Um, and I, I would think even, you know, the threat of Pale Rider and what Pale Rider could do could hurt your design space as well, right? 
Yeah, I think so. I think uh, you could actually buff a lot of models if you brought a pale rider and pale rider down in um, power level because he's he's way 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 too good right now. Anytime yeah, you no. see a model that's almost auto take, uh, that's bad for the faction he's in. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. No, I agree. So, uh, Jesse, do you have anything you want to plug before we wrap up? Uh, hey, guys, play Guild. It is still a lot of fun. Um, no, there's so I actually stay off of the forums a lot, I, but I have people direct questions to me, comments, and I have a lot of forum posts that are sent to me like, hey, what do you think about this? Um, and there is a lot of complaint in Guild, and I have whinged and whined um, about Guild. Um, it's still fun. There's still cool stuff in here. Um, I think we need some love, not tons, but a bit. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, keep playing the game and have fun with it. And if you like some combination or some keyword that's in guild and you think maybe something else is still a little bit more optimal elsewhere, look, we're here to have fun, you know, play on. Gary, do you have any plugs? Yeah, I can uh, plug the guild messenger chat. It's a very nice community. Uh, That's on Facebook, right? Yeah. People are pretty positive as well. More positive than we've been for the last 10 minutes, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think the point that both of you guys made is an important one, which is, okay, let's say that Guild is the weakest faction. Um, You both noted, though, that the gap is not that deep, right? So, yes, we have to – if we had to – Every faction can't be equal. So that means that we're going to end up tiering them. And, but if the distance between top, the the one at the top of the tier and the bottom of the tier is is not too great, then, you know, that's where we are. And, and, And I think both of you are saying, yeah, guild needs some help, but it's not worth, you know, setting your models on fire. No one is going to say that their faction is the strongest either. <laughs> right. We all know which one is, though, don't we? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't talk about them. We don't. <laughs> we don't. Guys, I really appreciate it. Um, uh, I look forward to having you both back on the show again. Um, we've got a lot more guild uh, to cover uh, here on these deep dives. Uh, so I doubt this will be the last time we hear from you. And uh, for those of you that are listening, uh, I appreciate you sticking around. Take care. Be sure to check out our shop on thirdfloorwars.com for the latest gaming apparel and gear. While you're there, check out how the USFO Tour is shaping up. How does your conference compare to the others in the United States? Where do you rank nationally? Get those models built, painted, and on the table so we can see you at the U.S. Masters Invitational in October of 2020. Also, rate and write a review on this podcast for us. It really helps us find people almost as cool as you are. Thanks for listening. Howdy friend, Craig here. Is this episode making you realize you need to buy some models? Gadzooks Gaming is my favorite online retailer because of their large selection, killer prices, and great customer service. Don't you hate buying an entire crew box when you only need one model? Gadzooks sells crew box models individually and saves you a ton of money. They even have free shipping to the US and Canada if you spend $100 or more. Swing by gadzooksgaming.com and make sure you tell them Craig from the third floor sent you. All the details are in the show notes. Do you agree? Oh, yes. Sorry. <laughs> I, I was waiting for Gary to jump in. Um, yes, I agree with the words that I said, and you agreed with me. <laughs> good. Um, that was good, guys. Yeah, it was uh, 
It's a new experience. I feel like I stuttered a few times, but I. No, you're fine. Okay. You're fine. No, you're I, fine. And I, I loved also hearing you because I, I, I was curious <clears throat> with you coming from a you know a whole other country, whole other meta, how you would see things, and I'm, I'm finding the parallels. I did want to jump in and say I have succeeded with Fancy Cane. It's never <laughs> pl- it's never Plan A. It should no, never no be plan, plan A. But I've had some beautiful moments. <laughs> That's funny. I was wondering right. about that as well because I think the design is so nice because Fancy Kane has ev- every one of those fancy suits and then the Hidden Sniper has the typical guild suit. Right. Good segment. Um, so with this building the pool, guys, I don't want to go through every strategy. I don't want to go through every scheme. Um, so, uh, Gare, I'll probably start with you. If you can pick one or two strategies that you think, uh, Lucius excels in. Um, and I like to keep this in context with the faction. Um, so for example, if you're going to say Lucius is great in turf war, um, let's make sure that we, you know, keep that in context that, you know, he's better than Nelly. Um, or if you say he's not good into reckoning because, you know, he can do reckoning, but, uh, I'd rather have lady justice or something. You know, you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Um, and then Sam or Sam, <laughs> Jesse, I'll flip to you. Um, and when I flip to you, Jesse, if we can start off with maybe two schemes, um, that are, uh, really good, uh, for Lucius that he, you know, when you see them in the pool, you, you start thinking, uh, I might go elite. Um, and then, uh, I'll bounce between the two of you. We'll also talk about, um, potential schemes that shouldn't be taken, um, if you're facing elite. So what do they hard counter? So, all that sound good? Yeah, that sounds great. Sure. Cool. All right. Here's your opportunity to prove everybody wrong or to say, yeah, we need some love. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That, that, that's the entire segment. Yeah, you're right. but um let's get into specifics so let's talk about like i know jesse you have you have issue with the generic upgrades um like if we're going to talk about you know places where um things things that have gotten guild to get have this reputation um i'd like to talk to talk specifics unreleased you know the fact that so many models are not released yet and so on and so forth um so we'll start with you if that's all right jesse uh sure cool Um, 